certainly thankful for Brother Dwayne's prayer and would ask for continuation that you would pray for us as we go through this service. You know, we need God's blessings. I need grace to preach and you need grace to hear. Only by the will of the Lord can this preaching that we or, or myself or any other minister bring forth, can it make a difference in our lives? God must bless it. He must bless the preacher. He must bless those that hear to truly make a difference in their lives. And, you know, sometimes I think about the world we're living in now, the circumstances. I'm not here to give a political uh, sermon, but yet I may, I may touch on the things because the things that are going on in our life are relevant to the teachings of God's word, and they're important that we understand what thus saith the Lord has to say and the effects that it has upon each and every one of us. I preached here about three weeks ago, uh, I guess it was, uh, last two weeks uh, Brother Gail preached, and anyway, I <clears throat> thought a lot about uh, trust in those days. It's been very heavy on my mind, uh, trust. Do we, what do we think about trust? Do you, do you trust in the Lord? You know, the verse that's on my mind is Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. You know, you look around the world and, and you see all the chaos and all the troubles in your life and you know sometimes people wake up one day and, and, and their lives are shattered they just they don't understand their failure to understand God's word is their failure to understand what's going on to be at peace in these times we're all troubled by the times but some people are far more troubled by the things that are going on in this life than we ought to be to trust is to have tremendous confidence in somebody someone it's it's to really believe it's to have a reliance on those folks it's to have a resting of your mind in the integrity the veracity and the justice of folks you know we swing that word around a lot in life don't we husbands and wives declare that they trust one another we try to trust our kids we want to trust our brothers and sisters in christ which means we want to have a confidence in them. We want to believe them. We, we do, and the, and, and the more we know them or the more we know about them, the stronger our trust or the less our trust might be based upon what we know. You know, to be trustworthy means to rely, be reliable and to be honest and truthful. We want to be truthful with one another. You know, in life we have a lot of trust, you know, uh, with one another sometimes but sometimes unfortunately because we're sinners and we've all come short of the glory of God there's not a just man upon this earth that doeth good and sinneth not sometimes that trust is broken and when trust is broken in life it's it's oftentimes hard to regain it's not easy I bring that out because we have one that we can trust whose name is Jesus Christ who will never leave us nor forsake us why would we trust the Lord in the way that we trust him? Why would we have confidence in God? Do you know that our God has never broken a promise? Think about it. We trust folks in this life. I trust my wife, Sister Suzanne, with everything I have, and I believe she trusts me in that same manner. But I will tell you one thing. I trust the Lord more than I trust her, and I think she trusts the Lord more than I do because I, I'm not incapable. I'm not infallible. I, I'm a sinner. Uh, I might do something to, 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 to break that trust or to, 
to not have it stay the same. I hope not. That's not my goal. That's not my desire. But, folks, those things happen in life. But we trust God because God never changes. We trust him because he's never broken a promise. We're told in Titus 1 and 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. It's impossible for God to lie. He's immutable and unchangeable in Hebrews 6. Our God will and cannot change. He told us over in the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews concerning Jesus Christ, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper. Do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? We're going to look at that a little further here in a minute if the Lord would bless us. I know we have a great desire to trust one another and a lot of times that do. We, we've seen people, I know people, uh, I know an elder in Washington, D.C., Elder Compton. He died, his wife died when he's 99 years old and he's married for 76 years. I believe him and his wife had about as strong a trust as you'll ever know of two people in this life. A lot of times we trust one another and that trust is broken for one reason or the other. And I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just telling you we are sinners. But there is one in heaven who never who never uh, breaks his promise, who's always there for us, always. You know, sometimes uh, we forsake the Lord, but the Lord never forsakes us. You know, when you live your life and, and things begin to change and, and things are not working out, maybe your kids don't do what they, they should be doing or, or your friends or maybe somebody done something to hurt you or to bring pain, how does it affect you? Does your life unravel or do you trust in the Lord? What about the things that are going on today? The violence, uh, the epidemic or the pandemic, all the things that are going on, where's your trust? Where is your trust? Acts chapter 17 tells us a little bit about Jesus. Even though Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, that you may boldly say the Lord is my helper, we're told in the 26th verse, the 17th chapter of Acts, and he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. There's one point I want to make. It doesn't matter what color skin you have. And I'm not here to make any statements. We all bleed the same color blood. Do you know that? We are all saved by the same color of blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, the face of the earth and hath determined the time before appointed in the bounds of their habitation. You know, the one reason we can trust in the Lord is God is not subject to time. He exists outside the realm of time. You and I are bound by it. We're changing every day. We change our minds. One reason people don't trust one another is because they tell us one thing one day and, and something else the next. If you listen to the government, you get a lot of that in these days and times. One day they tell you this, the next day they tell you that, and you wonder sometimes, where is the truth? Where is the truth? Have you ever thought about what the Lord said in John chapter 14? You know, if you're a child of God, the spirit of truth dwelleth in you. God can direct us and lead us in logical ways to understand the things that are going on. But he says, verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they may fill after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. You know, the Lord is always there. That's why we can trust him. Sometimes we drift off a long ways, and, and, and we're a long ways from the Lord, even though he's very near, a very near presence. God is sovereign. He's omnipotent, or I'm not saying omnipotent. 
omnipresence, what I was trying to say, he's, he's everywhere present, nowhere absent. He's omniscient, meaning he has all knowledge, past, present, and future. God is sovereign. There's none that can stay his hand, as Daniel said, or say unto him, what doest thou? He doth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And there's none that can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? In the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, we're told, Casting our care upon him, for he careth for you. God cares for you. He loves you. If he chose you in Jesus Christ and called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, you're one that he loved with an everlasting love. As he told Jeremiah, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness have I drawn thee. God will never stop loving you. God will never lie to you. God's promises are sure and they're certain. And we can take them to the bank, as the old adage says. We can definitely count upon them. We may forsake the Lord. We may not go to the house of the Lord like we should. But aren't you thankful God will never forsake you? We ought to. We ought to do these things. We ought to live a life that honors our, our Savior, our Heavenly Father. That's what God has called us to do in this very short life that we live. Our life is very short. You know, I'm 62, and some people tell me that's young now, but you know, I look back, and, and the things of high school and early in my life just seemed like a few days ago. You know, there's a song we sing that time is swiftly passing by. It is. James said our life is but a vapor. James chapter 4. Our life is a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Is that not so true when you look back and see the things that are going on in this life? Who can you trust apart from the Lord? No one. God is trustworthy. He's honest. He's truthful. He is true. He's reliable. He's always there. You know, I think one of the problems we have as people, as, in, as, as human beings, we can't see God with the naked eye. We can't reach out and touch the Lord. We can't feel him. We can't feel his skin. God is a spirit. He lives outside of the realms of time. You and I are bound by those boundaries. Time. Changes happen. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not so good. But we're to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And we're not to lean to our own understanding. That's the greatest fallacy, I think, or problem that we have as God's people is leaning to our own understanding. When you set out to do something in life, I don't care if it's something not in, whether it's in the church, in the kingdom of God, or in the everyday life that you live. How many of you want to understand what lies ahead? What's, what's down the road here? Should I go down that road? None of us really know. We don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And yet we want to lean to our own understanding. Notice as the verses, we're going to take some examples of those, of those uh, thoughts for just a moment to understand how there are things about Almighty God that we don't understand but that we believe. All my life, I've read in God's Word that God had no beginning of days or no ending of days. Brother Don Watson and I were traveling to Colorado last week, and I, he said, just as I would, and he's quite a bit, he's 76, and he just said, you know, if something began, I can always kind of get an idea of Maybe it could go on forever. Now, that, that sounds really exceptional in itself, but to ha never had a beginning point? Now, if you, if you try to learn, uh, understand that, and you, you lean to that with your humanistic mind, 
It'll blow what few brain circuits you have because you're never going to get there. You're never going to understand it. By faith, we believe it because God said it. That's all that matters. God said it. I believe it, but I don't have any understanding of it. Lean not to your own understanding, but there's so much more. When Abraham was called, and I'm paraphrasing some of this, when he was called to follow God, he left the land of his nativity where he was born, and there's no recorded instance in the Bible that he ever returned to see his folks. Can you imagine leaving home and never seeing your parents again? Abraham, known as Abram at that time, and Sarah and his nephew Lot, they departed. God said, go, they went. God said, stop, they stopped. His trust was in the Lord. He certainly didn't know what lied ahead. That's an example for you and I to walk and follow the Lord in that type of faith. Friends, we're seeing a changing of times that we're living in today. And I'm not here to scare anyone, but I'm here to tell you, you better, you better face it. There's problems out here in this world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness, powers on high. Ephesians chapter 6 tells you that. Satan's at work. He tries to deceive the Lord's people. He, he tries to, to get God's people to be feared and, and, and afraid of all kinds of things. That's one of his great tactics. I'm asking you, do you trust in the Lord? Do you trust in the Lord with all thine heart? Or do you try to understand things? Notice another example, and we'll get back to Abraham in just a moment. It says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. You might ask, why am I bringing that point forward? When we take the money that we have and the time that we have and use it in God's service, it honors God. And God has promised to honor us. But we all have a problem with the sin of unbelief. Unbelief. Mark chapter 9, the man whose son had a problem. It was similar to, he had a dumb spirit, but it was similar to epilepsy, the things that were happening to him. He threw himself in the fire. He wallowed on the ground. Get Jesus cast out the spirit. But when he came to his father, Jesus asked him, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Friends, we're full of unbelief. When we think about honoring the Lord with all our substance and with the first fruit of all our increases, we want to reason that out, don't we, all t a lot of times. Well, you know, I, I, I got a house payment, a car payment, I got our utilities. I mean, the list goes on and on. I've got, I want to buy this, I want to buy that. Uh, and all of a sudden, as we reason that out in our own understanding, there's nothing left. First of all, we're told to lay up at the first of the week. God should be the first thing on a man's budget. Unfortunately, it's not in many cases, but it should be. That's honoring God. Time. You know, how many of us say, well, I got to work, I, I, I got to do this, I got to see after my grandchildren, I got to go here, I got to see after my friends, I got to go shopping, I don't know what it is. You know, there's, it, it's always time to do something. We live in this boundaries called time. To the point that when it comes to laboring in God's kingdom, often there is no time. That's what happens when we reason things out. Elder Stephen Bloyd always used to make such a great point to me. He says, you know, God's able to add to the day, hours to the day. And you might think, you can't add no hours to the day, but God can make it where you can, be, you can fulfill more obligations than you can imagine when God's blessings are upon you. I've seen that man at work, and I've seen it diligently in his life. But notice the, the, the promise. 
Verse 10 sets forth the promise. And this, this is where the unbelief comes. We reason that we don't have the money to give to the church or to the poor or to labor in God's kingdom. That, that's our reasoning because most of the time it's because of everything that we owe. And I'm not here to preach on how you ought to give more. I'm here to bring a point about our inability to trust in the Lord with all thine heart because of unbelief. He says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Do you know what God says? When you honor God with your substance, with your money and your time, and you're truly coming from the heart, he says you're going to have plenty. You can count on it. Do we believe that? Oftentimes we are led into a state of unbelief, and we don't really believe that because we can't reason it out in our own mind, can we? We can't understand it. We know how to write numbers down. We know how to set a budget. We know all the things that we want. You know, we have needs, but we also have a great deal of wants. Most of the time what gets us in trouble in life is our wants. You know, the Lord said, I will bless you and I will give you what you stand in need of. But we don't stand in need of as near as many things as we want. And I'm as guilty as anybody that ever walked the face of the earth, but I know what's wrong. I used to tell Sister Suzanne or my wife, I said, I, don't, I will never deny the truth of God's word even though I'm guilty in many areas of, uh, of that. It's unbelief. Do you believe God will fill your barns? With plenty? Do you believe that if you give of your time and your substance that you'll be without? Let's go back to Abraham. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God promised them this son. And time went on and time went on. And when he's about 75, they decided they needed to take it into their own hands. So they took a concubine, Sarah's concubine, Hagar. She gave him to Abraham and they had a son, Ishmael. And yet God continued to promise and Abraham continued to believe. Abraham trusted in the Lord, not knowing what lied ahead. Let's think about in Romans chapter 4. I believe again in verse 19 it says, And being not weak in the faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was ninety. Now, what he's talking about deadness there, he's just talking about they were so far beyond the years of rearing child. Sarah had a child at 90 years old, and her husband Abraham was 100. Think about that for a moment. And yet, Abraham believed. He really believed. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. How often... Do things not work out in life because of unbelief? You might say, well, I'm not Abraham, but I'm going to tell you what. He was a sinner. He went down into Egypt with Lot, and he shouldn't have ever went down there. Lot loved what he saw, and it changed Lot's course. There are different times and different things that happen. There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Abraham was a man none, none different than you and I. God called him just like he called us. He gave him a purpose but Abraham trusted in the Lord with all his heart, no doubt in my mind. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also, uh, able also to perform. So when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90, they bare a son after her womb, as it was said, was dead. That's what she's talking about. I mean, she was 30 and 40 years past the childbearing age. So was Elizabeth when she bare John the Baptist. You can read that and we won't go there. But friends, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. 
There's nothing impossible for God. Can you imagine you and I, would we have trusted in the Lord if God had told us that or would we have laughed and walked away? You know, I can't, I'm too old, that can't happen. It even gets different than that when it comes to the trust of Abraham. So after Isaac was around 15, more like 18 years old, God called upon Isaac to do something that I don't know what we would have done, what we would have done. We go to Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, the tempting that you're talking about here is not being tempted with sin. God tempteth no man with sin. It means to be tried. He was testing him. God tested Abraham or tempted as he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. That's the first thing that we understand about trust. He didn't question anything. He says, Here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Can you imagine what went through Abraham's mind? He waited a hundred years for this son whom he loved and you know what it is to love a son, a daughter. He loved this son, and now he was to offer him up as a burnt offering. Now, I don't know what went through Abraham's mind. Abraham, many believed, uh, Abraham thought, if, if, if I offer him up a burnt, burnt offering, God will uh, bring him back to life. He could do that if that had been God's will. But what we're after today is, Verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering. He rose up and he went into the place of which God had told him. Can you imagine what he thought when God said, Offer your son up as a sacrifice, a burnt sacrifice, and yet he didn't question God? Can you imagine the thoughts that was running through that man's mind? He was a man just like you and I are. Let's, let's don't get off and say, Well, I'm not Abraham, I, didn't, I couldn't do that. Abraham was no different than you and I. He trusted in the Lord. What about all the violence you see today? And what about the pandemic we see today and all the things that are being brought forth? Do you trust in the Lord or do you trust in the government or do you trust in man? Jeremiah 17 says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and makes his flesh his arm. In other words, he, he trusts in his own ideas he trusts in what some other man says. It says that man, if he trusts in another man or, or in the wisdom of this world, will look at that, he'll, he'll depart. His heart will depart from the Lord. Meaning that he one day was in tune with the Lord in, in communion and fellowship, but because he turned his eyes unto man, he lost his way. He lost his way. I can't imagine... But Abraham done just that. He took his only son Isaac. We know how that turned out. He even pulled out his knife to slay or to slew his son. And the angel of the Lord stopped him and there was a ram in the thicket. I'm going to tell you, this was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father who gave his son to us, sent his son down to die for us. That's what the picture is. But I want you to understand what Abraham he, he didn't know what lied ahead. He knew that God said, We're gonna, you're going to offer your son. He didn't know if he's going to bring him back to life. He didn't know any of these things. Can you imagine? But he rose up the next morning, and away he went. That's trusting in the Lord with all thine understanding. It's not leaning with all thine heart, not leaning to thine own understanding. 
You know, if you sat there and reasoned that out, would you have went? Would you have wanted to go? Friends, I'm here to tell you that it's, it's not easy to do those things. Our trust has to be a confidence in God that's above and beyond the things we see in this world. We're not here very long. Time is swiftly passing by, as the song says. Who are you trusting in today? One that will never leave you nor forsake you. One that will never break a promise. One that has never lied. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are righteousness. He is a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. Who do you trust today? Do you trust your husband, your wife? Do you trust your friends? Do you trust the bank? Do you trust the government? Friends, I'm here to tell you, there's no one that you can depend upon and have absolute confidence in other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He cares for you. He knows the feelings of your infirmities. When Lazarus was dead and he didn't come, and he done that on purpose in John chapter 11, the shortest verse in the Bible says he wept. Lazarus' sisters were crying and mourning along with many of the other Jews because their brother Lazarus had died. Many lessons in that chapter about God, about Jesus showing the glory of God and raising Lazarus from the dead. But Jesus is concerned. Jesus cares for you. He knows the feelings of your infirmity. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Somebody in this world is liable to forsake you. It says in the Bible, even your mother and father can forsake you. But Jesus said, I will take you up. The Lord said, I will take you up because he will never leave you nor forsake you. Thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord. It, it's something that I think is a, a critical in this time in which you're living. Because of the things that are going on, and, and you know, it, it's easy to put those things aside and not to pay attention because we want to live in another world. But there are things we're facing, and they're real. Who do you trust in? You trust in God? You trust in God to take care of you and to watch over you and to keep you and to provide for you? That's where we better put our trust because there's no one else we can truly trust in. You know, we're told even in Luke 14 that we're to hate our mother, our father, our husband, our wife. The word hate there doesn't mean hatred, but it, Jesus is basically teaching that if you put confidence in someone else on this earth, you're not worthy of him. We sang that song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." That's what I want to get out of this message is we don't have to understand what lies ahead because I sure don't. I don't know why this earth is going this way. The only thing I can tell you I know, evil is present, sin is real, and this is a broken world that we live in. But detailing this, the, the circumstances every day of why this is happening and not happening, if you're not in the midst of it, thank God that he's kept you from being where it's taking place. You know, God is involved in our lives whether you believe it or not. You know, I, I spent many years not recognizing that point in my own life. But thanks be to God, he opened my eyes to see the truth and to understand. When I didn't recognize God and I was all involved in other things, especially my career, I could have had the same career and never lost sight of God. But that, I'm telling you that because I, I walked those roads and I've got the same problems as anybody else. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And the older I get, the more I want to put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because there is no other. We move along here and I want to get back to some of the things that we spoke of a few Sundays ago. We've given several examples. You might ask, how do I trust more in the Lord? 
Well, it says in the first verse, my son, and we'll just kind of go over this and get to my son, forget not my law. The word law there has a reference to God's word. Forget it not. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, he said, I will not be negligent to put you always in remember these things, though you be established in the truth. That's because we as human beings have a tendency to forget what God's word. It says here, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Flood your mind with God's word. You know, for the folks that we learn to trust and love in this life, the more we know about them, the more we're with them, the more we trust them. You can't trust God with all thine heart if you don't know anything about him. If you don't read his word, hear it preached and study it, it's an impossibility. First of all, if we quit reading God's word, we quit hearing the preaching of the word, as time goes by, we'll forget what we once knew. The Bible teaches us that. Paul said, if you keep in memory what I preached, you'll be saved. You're not going to be saved eternally. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will save you. It'll save you from error and from the ways of this world and from the armor of Satan. I mean, Satan's real. He told us to put on the full armor of God as one going into battle. Satan has never laxed up. He's always out there trying to deceive us, trying to bring fear into our lives. But I trust in the Lord. I do. Let's think about what the Bible says about fear. I've never seen this much fear in my life, in my lifetime. They say back in the 40s and the 50s, in the atomic age, this fear kind of existed. I'll never forget, there was a, a, the man that used to cut my hair, and mom knows up around Plainview, Texas, they, at a time when getting a, an atomic bomb sent to the country was a real fear. This old couple had a boxcar buried in the ground full of freezers of meat and everything you could imagine. They were prepared to go stay an extended amount of time in this ground because they were fearful of an atomic bomb, nuclear weapon. And one night, in the middle of the night, when I was 10 years old, a tornado come through Plainview, Texas, and hit their house. They wasn't even in that place, and it killed both of them. Friends, we have things to fear every day, but we ought not to fear. We ought to put our trust in the Lord. Jesus didn't say he would just never leave us nor forsake us, that we may boldly call him our helper. He says, and we shall not fear what man shall do unto us. What's going on now today is man-made. It's man-made fear, and it's overtaken so many people that it's, it's unbelievable. We're told by Paul, he told Timothy, I've not given thee the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I question where the sound minds have went, but I'm telling you, God doesn't intend for us to be fearful. He says in 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. Do you realize that there is no perfect love? I don't love anyone perfectly, and neither do you, but there is one whose love is perfect, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can rid you of your fears because it says in the next verse, fear hath torment. It does. It tortures people. They, they, they can't live life. They can't go on. It doesn't matter what, what causes the fear, whether it's the, the virus of today or the atomic age. You know, a lot of people don't know the story of Howard Hughes, one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. He got so bad about germs and stuff, he nearly lived. About dying, he wouldn't touch anything. You read the story of Howard Hughes. He quit living life, one of the richest men that ever lived in the world because of the fears he had. God doesn't intend for you and I to live in fear. 
He intends for us to trust him. Elder Philip Conley made a statement, and I believe it. He said, if I get the virus, the Lord will bless me to get over it, or the Lord will bless me to come home. It's a non-losing situation. And I'm not here to die, but I'm here to live. I want you to live, and I want you to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. There's so much out in this world we don't understand. All we understand about God is what God has revealed unto us. We don't understand our own selves sometimes, but we understand the Lord. He's always there. He's never lied. His promises are always faithful. Just and right as he, we can count on him. We, can never, we should never doubt him. We could doubt everyone in this world, but we should never doubt the Lord because he's always there. Keep thy commandments in thine heart. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a great question, isn't it? It's one sometimes I wonder if I even want to answer. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, we're all sinners. Sometimes we hide behind that. As hard as we try to be sinless in life, we'll never make it. For if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But that doesn't mean we ought to strive to. It says in 1 John chapter 5, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Do you realize that we could keep every commandment that God give, gives us? But Satan is there and our own flesh is there warring against the spirit that dwells in there. And when we're tempted, we're drawn away of our own lust and enticed. And just as a woman who goes through pregnancy and brings forth a child, when that lust and that enticement uh, comes forth as a, as, a, as a child in travail, it bringeth forth sin. That's how sin comes. Temptation is always out there from the world and from our own flesh. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary one to the another. So that you cannot do the things that you should or would. If you yield to the flesh, you'll never please the Spirit. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians 5. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. You know, Jesus said in John, Matthew 26, watch and pray. Watch. That means to be on guard. And boy, do we ever be on guard. Satan never slows down. Satan's tactics, tactics have never changed. Because they are so good and they have worked for so long. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to keep his word. But I want you to notice something. and We'll move along here for time's sake. In verse 2. Notice the promise. Something that I think a lot of folks would like to, to have. The first thing I'll say, there's a commandment with promise. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth. God promised each and every one of us if we honor our father and our mother... He will bless us with a long life. A lot of people don't do that. But notice this commandment. If we forget not his word and we flood our minds with it and we keep his commandments in our heart, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Is there anything more as a child of God that you would want in your life than to have a long life and to have peace? Friends, you and I know no peace in this world. John chapter 14 and I believe it's verse 27 Jesus said in his own words, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14 starts out, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. 
He didn't go to build you a house in heaven. He went to the cross of Calvary and he prepared the way for every one of his elect children to go to heaven. He prepared it. I do argue that we will live in a mansion but not a house. When this sin-covered body that is risen from the grave and changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and fashioned like unto the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll be a mansion. It won't have any sin and it won't be corrupt. It'll be a body that lives forever, reunited with soul and spirit. But friends, I'm here to tell you, as long as we live on this earth, we can trust in the Lord. I just thought about that peace. Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have trouble. All of us know what trouble is. It comes in every form or fashion. Job said in Job 14 and 1, Man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Trouble follows us all the days of our lives. But God said in me you'll have peace. Do you know that even in the midst of all the chaos we're seeing now, which could get worse, that you can have peace in your life even in the midst of burning or whatever's going on. You can have real peace if you put your trust totally and totally in the Lord. He's the only one that can keep us. You know, I make a statement, and Shane may not want me to say this, but years ago when he was in an accident with his mother and his sister, and as he grew up and, and God blessed us to go on, I was always so concerned, wanted him to call me everywhere he went when he started to drive. And he didn't always call me, and that always made me nervous. But, you know, I finally learned if the cord doesn't keep him, I can't. It is God that keeps each and every one of us. You know, we feel some sense of, of an ability to protect our children. If the Lord don't protect them, we can't. I trust in God. It took me a while to learn that lesson in my life. But I'm thankful I did, and I, I hope you all do. I, I know you want to be protective of those you love. But it is the Lord who will protect each and every one of us. It is God who sees over us no matter where we are. He's everywhere present, nowhere absent. What a blessing it is to trust in the Lord. I want to go to Jeremiah 17 and read those verses and close. I want you to trust in God and, and, and not worry about the things in this world. I don't know what's going to happen. I just trust the Lord will see us through. I, I really do. Our God is in the heavens and he hath done whatsoever he pleased. Our God is aware of what's going on. There's nothing. All things are naked and open to the one we serve. We read verse 5, but I'll go on. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and make flesh his arm, whose heart departed, departeth from the Lord. The more we trust in this world, the wisdom of this world, and I won't go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but it says the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, and it is. It says, the man that puts his trust in man and in this world, he says, for he shall be like a heath in the desert. That's this worthless plant that grows out there that bears no seed or fruit. And shall not see, the good, see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. It's a bad place to live even in a populated world. That's how we can be when we put our trust in man. Verse 7, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is the, the Lord is. If your hope is the Lord and your trust is the Lord, you are blessed. Verse 8 will be the last one we read. For he shall be a tree, as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not, 
and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You read the same thing in Psalm 1. What, what does this tree represent? Well, if you've ever went by a river or a draw, even if the water's not running, in the greatest of a drought, you will see green trees lining this, these old draws, these old riverbeds, because the water has been driven deep into the soil profile, and these roots have been driven deep into that soil. And so when the hot times come, the parching weather, they still continue to bear fruit or have leaves. They don't dry up. He compares that to the spiritual troubles that we have in life. Those roots and that river represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. My son, forget not my law. Forget not my words. Let them be on the forefront of your mind. Know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep his commandments in my law. And when the storms of life come, and they will come, they come in many varieties in many ways. I've experienced them in my life, and I know they're true. When we see that God sends hurricanes and tornadoes that are some are very, very strong, some are not so, every day that I've lived, there's been storms coming, earthquakes. All these things have happened throughout history. And the spiritual storms of life will never stop coming either until you close your eyes in this world and open them in the presence of Jesus Christ. They'll always come. But when your roots are driven into the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you forget not his word and it floods your mind, it doesn't mean that you'll have no trouble or sorrow. Jesus said that. Brethren, I will not have you to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. We have sorrow. Jesus understands that. But our lives are not shattered. They're not ruined when the difficulties come along, and they will come. The troubles come, the spiritual trials. Sometimes we go through a period of life that's a sailing, excuse me, is very smooth. But you know, when you get out on the ocean, even if the waters are nearly calm, there's a storm somewhere out there, and it's headed your way. I don't know how great the storm will be. But if the word of God is in your minds and in your hearts and you understand who God is, you can trust in him to see you through those difficulties. Paul was in one of those situations in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he prayed to the Lord three times to remove the thorn from his side. You know, a lot of people just want to dwell on what the thorn was, but I'm here to tell you we all got a thorn in our side, a trouble, a problem that sometimes carries along with the Sioux life. He prayed for that to be removed, and God didn't remove it. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. His grace is sufficient for you. He may not get rid of your problem, but he'll give you the strength. He'll give you what you stand in need of to get through it. And that's what you call trusting in the Lord with all thine heart and not leaning to your own understanding. Our, own, our understanding will lead us nowhere most of the time. It won't give us the answer. It's a natural thing to want to know what lies ahead, and I'm as guilty as anyone ever was. You want to know if I go, should go down that road. Is there danger? You know, me and my family was in Colorado, and this was my mistake this year, and I took us on a road that we shouldn't have went on. Shane was behind me in one of my pickups. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's just, sometimes you just go down the wrong road. But thanks be to God when we follow him and trust in him, he will lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, in your family, in your business, 
and he shall, not maybe, he shall direct thy paths. What more could you ask for? You won't get that answer from someone in the world. Almighty God will lead you in the direction you need to go. Praise God for his truth. Praise God for his word. And may we trust him and not quit worrying about what's going on. Just know that he's going to take care of us.